Uh, tonight is the sixth lesson already. The title of the lesson is called Stick to the Plan. And what we're going to see, there's a, a several things to see in the lesson, but what we're going to see tonight uh, is the truth. Can we have confidence in the Word of God? That seems to be the issue today. Can we be confident? Can we have confidence in the Word of God? And if we can, why can we have confidence in the Word of God? We're going to start off tonight with a game, and I'm going to need uh, two people to play. Now, Gary, if you wouldn't mind coming and helping me out, and maybe uh, Coach Ballou, would you mind? He was just settled in. All right, if y'all want to join me up here, here's how this is going to work. I'm going to read a clue, and then I'm going to read a series of five clues, and you have to guess the actual event that took place. And so you uh, don't answer until you have all five of the clues. Think about it as you hear the clues. Uh, y'all can play as well. Y'all can think as well. Go along. Uh, but please do not holler out the answer when you think you know the answer. So, again, I'm going to give five clues, and you're, gonna, you're going to try and name or guess the actual event uh, that has taken place. All right, clue number one is this. Here's the first clue. The first clue is this. The first one happened in 1967. That's your first clue. Don't, don't answer, but you think you have an answer? All right. You think you might have an answer? No. So we have maybe and no from that. All right. Y'all are playing along as well. Clue number two is this. Here's the second clue tonight. Second clue is this. Airplane ticket sales to the West Coast were up for a three-day period in February. That is your second clue. Airplane ticket sales to the West Coast were up for a three-day period in February. All right, that's your second clue. Here's your third clue. Anybody out there think they know? Don't say it. Everybody's shaking their head no. <laughs> Third clue is this. Televisions in Ohio were tuned to NBC on Sunday, February 13th. TVs, televisions in Ohio were tuned to NBC on Sunday, February 13th. That is the third clue. All right, we're moving on to the fourth clue. Anybody out there think they're getting close? Okay. Here is the fourth clue. Zach Taylor did not plan a trip to Disneyland this year. All right, that's your, your fourth clue. Zach Taylor did not plan a trip to Disneyland this year. All right, and then the fifth and final clue is this. Fifth and final clue. Aaron Donald has a piece of jewelry that Tony Romo does not. 
Now that's your fifth clue. Aaron Donald has a piece of jewelry that Tony Romo does not. Zach Taylor did not plan a trip to Disneyland this year. Televisions in Ohio were tuned to NBC on Sunday, February 13th. Airplane ticket sales to the West Coast were up for a three-day period in February, and the first one happened in 1967. What is the event? More specific. Fifth clue. You're on track. You're on track. Anybody else? Here's the specific event. The Rams win the Super Bowl in 2022. Aaron Donald has a ring that Tony Romo does not. Good job. Thank you for playing. You win absolutely nothing. <laughs> All right, again, the question tonight, this is going to make sense in a minute. You're probably wondering what in the world that was about. Here's the question tonight. Can we have confidence in the Word of God? Now, look around at the world around us today. Uh, think about the world around us today. And here's the question. Does God's record of history, and that's what we've been seeing for six weeks, looking at the book of Genesis, does God's record of history, does his account of history account for the realities that we see today? Now, I want you to think about that. The things we see today, does it match up with the account that God has been telling us? Uh, Charles Darwin is the father of evolution. He's called that. He actually said that his theory would be disproven if it's not backed up by the fossil record. He said if the fossil record doesn't support the things I'm telling you, then my theory will be disproven. Which That means this. The fact, if true, will be supported by the data. The fact, if true, will be supported by the data. And so our, our example was this. The Rams win the Super Bowl. Well, if you look at all the data, if you look at all the pieces of information, it confirms the fact. Well, in that same understanding, we're going to ask the question tonight, what about the claims made by God? What about the claims made by God in Scripture? Uh, does the evidence back up what God has said? And that's something for us to think about. That's something for us to be smart about. Do, do the things we see, does the evidence back up the claims that God has made in his word in scripture. There's a lot of things we're going to see in our lesson. That's going to be the main takeaway tonight. Tonight we're in Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to read the entire account to us. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into the heaven. And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. And this is what they began to do. And now nothing which they purpose will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, 
so that they will not be able to understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. That is the account of the Tower of Babel, and that is where we get that understanding. Uh, we're going we're gonna to break that down and look at the pieces of that, and then again, our main emphasis, uh, does what we see in the world today confirm the account that God has given us in his word. The key point tonight is this, we can be confident that what we see today is perfectly in line with what God has recorded in his word. That is the point, our kids are learning that tonight, our youth are learning that tonight. We can be confident that what we see today is perfectly in line with what God has recorded in his word. All right, the first place we start is with the revolt the revolt. Here we have this, this account, these nine verses, and, and it is a revolt. That's how the account starts. Now, what's the deal with this? Now, I want you to see some pieces of it uh, that are going to help us in our understanding. The first thing is this. It is about a hundred years since the flood, since the account of the ark. So it's not that far removed. It's about a hundred years since the ark. That would entail about four generations of people. And so the population is starting to grow, but it's about four generations that have occurred since the ark. At this point, Noah is still alive. And I think that's interesting. Noah is still alive. He's still on the earth. If you were to go hunt out Noah, you could find Noah. He is still alive. Now, after the flood, God's plan told to the people as they get off the ark is that they should spread out and fill the earth. Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. They get off the ark. God says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Genesis chapter 9, verse 7. As for you, be fruitful and multiply. Populate the earth and multiply in it. And so understand, after the flood, they get off the ark. God's plan is that they would spread out, they would multiply, and they would fill the earth. That is God's wise plan. He has wisdom in it. He has a plan for it. That is his wise plan. Well, here's what we see already here in chapter 11. They have not done it. They have not obeyed. They have not spread out. Uh, they are found all together. In fact, when you read the account, they are actually, instead of spreading out, they are building a more central place. And so instead of spreading out, they're building a city. We'll gather up in the city. We'll head to the city. And in the midst of that city, they're building a tower. And so here we go. Here's the revolt. God has a plan. He is wise in his plan. He's told them to spread out on the earth. They have gathered up. Not only have they gathered up, they are building a more central place to accumulate a city and a tower in that city. All right, so here is the fact of the matter. They are found in sin. They have ushered in a revolt. Here's the truth. Anytime we disregard God's word, we are in sin. 
We are rebelling against God's command, against what he has told us. Anytime we are found, again, disobeying God's word, we are found in rebellion against God's word. Now, think about this, and this is pretty um, wild to think about, kind of staggering to think about. Here they are a hundred years from the flood, and they're already found in revolt against God's word, in rebellion against God's word. And you think, eight get off the ark, and, and then eight becomes however many. And however many, uh, they are not far removed. They know somebody who knows somebody. Uh, they know Noah. We can go find Noah. It's not that far from God's judgment of sin. It's not that far from remembering uh, what he does, uh, removing sin, and yet here they are right back there again. That is a staggering thing to think about. Um, I wonder if anybody says, hey, we should listen. Hey, we ought to obey. Hey, I remember. Hey, ask Noah. Now, this isn't going to turn out. And yet it's not even right at 100 years and they're found right back there again. In our Bible study, as we pass through these weeks, as we pass through these chapters, we're going to continue to see that's the pattern. They, you think they learn and here they are back again. You think they'll learn now and here they are back again. There is a revolt. God has told them the wisdom of his plan. He's told them his, his plan, and they have not done it. They have rebelled against his word. So that's the revolt. The next thing we see in our account is the reason, the reason. Now, I find this very interesting. Why are they doing this? Why are they, why are they accumulating in a city when he said spread out? Why are they not following God's word? Why are they building this tower? Why are they doing this? That's an interesting thing. And then here, here's something to think about. What is God's issue with it? Why does God care? They're building a city. They're building a tower. Um, there's lots of cities today. There's lots of tall buildings. What was God's issue with this? What was the reason behind it? All right, so we have the revolt. revolt. They've rebelled against God's word. Now we look at the reason. Here are several reasons uh, that we have that we can see that we can find why they do this. And, and then we see in this God's issue with it. First thing, why are they accumulating? Why are they building the city? Why are they building the tower? Why are they rejecting what God has said? First thing we see is this, they're setting the word of God aside. The reason they do this, they're setting the word of God aside. Now, that sounds pretty easy. Uh, that, that sounds like, well, um, that, that's pretty uh, quick to understand. But the basic for this, the basis for this is very simply, God has said do something and they're not doing it. And so they are actually setting aside the word of God. Why are they doing this? They've set aside the word of God. Today, our sin, our rebellion, pick whatever form it takes, it goes back to we are setting aside the word of God. This is what God says. He is wise and giving it to us in his wisdom, and yet we have set aside the word of God. So the first reason they're doing this, they are setting aside the word of God. Second reason they are doing this, they are trusting in themselves. They are trusting in themselves. They're not trusting in God. They're not trusting in God's word. Rather, they are trusting in themselves. Now think about it. Here's what they are doing. They're saying, our way's best. 
I know God has said that, but, but that doesn't make any sense. This seems to be a good thing. Our plan is best. So they're trusting in themselves. I read something a couple weeks ago, and, and, I, and I, I think it's, it's, a, it's interesting to think about. Um, as a kid in Sunday school, we talk about this story, and we picture this kind of rickety wooden tower, and it has this ladder on it, and they're all trying to find a way to get to heaven. And I think that was the point to the lesson. We're going to see a, a couple things about that. But I, I read a couple weeks ago that possibly... One of the reasons they are building a tower is to escape another flood. Now think about that. They're just 100 years from the flood. And so they start saying, well, you know what we'll do? We'll build us a tower and we'll not get caught in another flood. And, 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 and that was the idea that this author said, we won't have to trust God. In fact, we won't have to seek God. In fact, in the fact that they're actually doing this, they're saying we can't trust God. He's given us a rainbow. He's made a promise he won't do it again. But here's what they're saying. If he tries that again, you know what we'll do? We'll climb the tower. We'll head to the city and we'll get up out of the flood. We'll save ourselves. And I think all that comes down, I, I, I think that's probably a very good, a likely reason. But all of these things come back to that truth. We'll save ourselves. You know what? God might save us. He might not. doesn't matter. We're going to save ourselves. If there's another flood, we'll find a place to get out of it, and we'll save ourselves. Now, back that up one more step. We think our plan is best. We're trusting in ourselves. We will save ourselves. They don't need a Savior, and that's the key to the whole thing. They've gotten to the place, you know, we're not going to need a Savior. We'll, we'll have our intellect, we'll have our strength, our wisdom, and we will save ourselves. Why are they doing this? They're setting aside the word of God. Why are they doing this? They are trusting in themselves. Here's another reason. Why are they doing this? They are exalting themselves. They are celebrating themselves. Remember the verses, it says, we will make a name for ourselves. And so here, I mean, they basically tell us what their, what their desire is. We'll build a city and people will talk about the city. And when they talk about the city, they'll talk about the architects of the city. We'll build a name for ourselves. People will talk about us. People will know about us. We can get a couple more generations down the road and they'll talk about the people that built the city. And so they are exalting themselves. You know what they were supposed to do? Exalt God. Praise God, point to God, worship God. Same way today, we enter into sin, we rebel against God when we start to exalt ourselves. We start to put ourselves ahead of God, even God himself. So one more reason why they do this, they are exalting themselves. All right, the bottom line for that, and I, and I, I think about all of those things, they set aside the word of God. They're trusting in themselves. They're exalting themselves. Here's the bottom line for all of that. Bottom line is this. They did not know God. And that, that's going to be important here in a second. They did not truly know God. Why would you obey God? Because you know him. 
Why would you trust God? Why would you listen to God? Why would you want to honor God? Why would you have that desire to honor God? It's because you know him and you know he's trustworthy and you know he's never let you down and you know his wisdom is perfect and you know his his love for you is great and he has the best intent for you. And as you know God, then you want to obey him. Then you want to submit to him. Then you want to exalt him and let others know about him as well. Bottom line, they still did not truly know God. Today, and I I think this is, why do we have this pattern uh, where we get in and get out, get in and get out? Why do we have this pattern where we're going to see it in Israel? They get in, they get out. It's because we do not truly know God. When we know God, we want to submit to him. We want to, we want to walk with him. And we want to exalt him and tell others about him. The, the bottom line is they did not know God. Today, the bottom line, why do people reject God? They, they do not know him. The answer is this. Then we ought to know God. How do we know God? This Bible study, hearing God's word, studying God's word, thinking about God's word, Uh, He doesn't leave us, hasn't forsaken us. His word holds true. Not a promise ever fails. And as we know him, guess what? It's easy to trust him. And as you've known him over time, it's easy to trust him. And when he's never failed you over time, it becomes easier to trust him. Bottom line, why are they building this daggum tower? A lot of things probably at play. The bottom line, they didn't know God. If they knew God, they, they would have known they could trust him. They would have turned to him. They would have wanted to exalt him and and they wouldn't have taken up this endeavor. Bottom line, they did not know God. So what is the result? And here's where we go. Is this true? Did this really happen? Isn't this kind of crazy? Can we take that to the bank? Could a college class examine this and go there's any validity to this? And that's that's the deal. What, What happened out of this that we could see that would confirm what God has said. What is the result? Let me read verses eight and nine again. Here's what God says he does. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, I want you to think about that again. I'm going to read it again. Does that seem to be symbolic? Does that seem to be less than straightforward? Does that seem to be less than God saying, this is what happens? When I read that, what does it look like? God is saying, this is what's happened. This is what I did. Guess what? God is telling us, what he did. This is his record. He is the testifier. So this is what he did. What did he do? So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. That's what God says that he did. What, what would be the result of that? We had these clues. Ticket sales went up. Somebody gets a ring. We had these clues and they pointed to the, 
the truth, the validity of the event. All right, so if this thing happened, if it truly happened, what would we see today? How could you look at this and say, well, this looks like it actually happened? Well, let me tell you some things that come out of it. Because this happened, they are pushed out, they spread, there is no longer a universal language. There are different languages. Now I'm just going to hand you some statistics. Folks that study this today, there are 90 traceable languages to that specific area and time in history. And so right now, there are 90 languages that trace back to this area and this particular time in history. From those 90 languages, there are 1,400 languages that come out of those languages. So here's this area, and it produces 90 languages. And out of those 90 languages become 1,400 languages tied directly in. And then loosely from those 1,400 languages there are now over 6,900 different distinguishable languages on the earth. How would that happen? How would that happen? If, if, and just pick your, pick your reason. We come out of evolution, and this gives birth, gives birth to, to this, to that, and we, we end up with a human. And this human ends up with more humans how would there be a different language? Ends up with more, lang more humans, how would there be a different language? How would there be different languages unless God introduces 90 languages when he splits them up at the Tower of Babel? There are different languages traceable back to these 90 here in this area at that time. That would be the result, all right? Think about this. There are different people groups, and, and this is killing us. There are different people groups. Now, Here's why this is killing us. There's only one race. And, and popular culture and evolution are teaching more than one race. And so if there's more than one race, our natural instinct is to say, well, I must be from the better race. And that's just how it goes. There is no people group that doesn't decide we're better than your group. And so if there's more than one race, then I must belong to a superior race. That's all races. There's only one race. It is the human race created by God. There's only one race. However, there are other people groups, uh, ethnicities that come out of the one true race. Now, I want you to think about this. If there is one race and he confuses their language, they'd have many languages. Guess what we have? Many languages. If there's one people group and they are scattered around the world, you would have... One race with different people groups. What that means is there will be different sets of people, listen to this, with different skin tones. The primary reason for a darker skin tone was your closeness to where you lived in proximity to the equator, the sun. And so there's some that live in other areas that are not as dark, and there's some that live in other areas, and they are darker. There's one race but there's different people groupings depending on where they scattered to. These groups have different likenesses. There's similarities in that group. Different skills, 
They have a set of skills because in this area, this is how they survive. There are different cultures. We like these foods. We like these things. We sing these songs. We laugh at these jokes. So if this is true and they're scattered out, there would be one race, but there would be different people groups. Well, guess what? Look around the world today. You know what? There's different skin colors. There's different cultures. There's different backgrounds, but there's only one race. How do you, I, I, I go a little bit nuts on this. How do you defeat racism? You go back to the Bible. There's only one race created by God. The same before God who is no, uh, no distincter of persons himself. Um, that's what would happen, okay? If, if they're pushed out, there will be different nations as they group up. There will be different empires as they group up. So if, if this happened, there would be different languages, there would be different people groups, there would be different nations, there would be different empires. Guess what? If you look at history, you see empires, people groups, cultures, all of these things that would come from this event. Let me give you a, a, a weird example. It's not too weird, but it's, I think it's very interesting. A tower made of stone, and that's what I think about when I was in Sunday school as a little kid, it was a rickety wooden thing that was a ladder popping off the top, and it looks like you might tilt off of that thing. It says, made of stone, the stones are made out of bricks, they're put together with pitch as mortar. In the middle of your paper there, it says ziggurat. That is a massive stone structure that is resembling a pyramid. That is most likely what the Tower of Babel would have looked like, not a rickety tree house with a ladder on top of it. It would have looked like this thing. Well, here's something interesting. Today, look around all over the world. There are ziggurats. Some of them are different, but they have similarities found in Iraq, Egypt, North America, South America, China, this basic pattern is found all over the world. Now, what does that seem to say? It would seem to say they came from a common origin. There is a people group that saw a tower, and the tower looked like this, and we all were spread out, and when we got where we were going, we built more of the same things. Most of those things are temples. Most of them are used for worship. Most of them are used for pagan worship, but I think it's very interesting if there was a thing that looked like this and you're pushed out from that area, when you got to the new place, you would build something, perhaps something very similar. All around the world, and go look it up tonight and you'll see all these different pictures. Uh, the Mayan culture, all these different, different cultures uh, find this thing all over. That is the result. That's what happens when God does what he does. So here's the reality. And this is, that's a whole lot of words to get to the reality. Here's the reality tonight. There is unity in history, in the word of God, and in our present reality. Now, I want to say that so you can understand that. Our present reality is not different from history. Our present reality is not different from the word of God. The word of God is not different from our present reality. The word of God is not different from our history, there is continuity in those things. There is unity in history, in the word of God, and in the present reality. Here's what that means. 
what God says took place, took place. History's not different from what the Bible says. Today what we see is not different from what the Bible says. There is unity in these things. If God says it took place, it took place. If it is the truth, here's the, here's the bottom peg. If it is the truth, it'd have to be so. What if I came and said, here's the truth, but what you see in nature is not going to be the same. Here's the truth, but what you read in history is not going to be the same. No, if it's the truth, the evidence is going to support it. If it's the truth, the facts are going to add to it and confirm it. Here's what we're saying tonight. Guess what? God's word is trustworthy. Genesis chapter 11, God's word is trustworthy. His account of creation, his account of the Tower of Babel, his account of man, the problem of man, the promise of a savior, his word is trustworthy. We need to say that. We don't have to shy away. We don't have to be scared. God's word is trustworthy. We can trust it. It is confirmed in the unity of all these things. And then on top of that, I wanted to put one last thing in. We're, we're just about done. And that's this verse from Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. Listen as I read this. A great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues. What happened in Babel? The formation of nations and tribes and peoples and tongues. A great multitude which no one could count from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands and they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Here's the awesome picture. What was split up in glory comes back together. And so all these tribes and all these folks pushed out and all the things they do when they, they're pushed out, when you get to Revelation and you get to glory, guess what? The tribes and the peoples and the tongues are gonna have a singular voice and they're gonna praise the lamb. They're gonna sing praises to the lamb. How tremendous is that? Put back together, restored, renewed, one voice praising the lamb. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand. I'm gonna lead us in a word of prayer and we'll be dismissed. Glad you were here tonight. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we praise you tonight. We thank you tonight. We're thankful for your truth. We're thankful that it's not wishy-washy, that it's not, it's not on sinking sand, it's not having to be updated, but that it stands. And your truth will stand and your truth does stand. And the fruit of that is that we can know we have a hope and a savior in the person of Jesus Christ. Lord, we're thankful for that. Lord, I pray that we would be growing in your truth, that we would become confident in your truth, that we would be ambassadors of your truth. And I, I pray for a, a lost world with no anchor, that they would find the anchor of the truth of God's word, the savior of it, Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for this lesson. I pray that we, we carry it away, that we think about it, that we ponder it. And I pray that we're better off, stronger, better equipped having studied this lesson. I pray that it bears fruit. I pray for our kids tonight, learning 
that the, the word of God will stand. I pray for our youth tonight about to go into a world that's going to test them. I'm thankful that they're learning tonight God's word. The truth of it will stand. I pray for the folks here in this room, those that are listening in some other means tonight. I pray that we've been instructed. pray that we've been encouraged. And then, Lord, we praise you and we thank you for a day when all the nations and all the tribes come together and celebrate Jesus Christ, the Lamb that was crucified, the Lamb that's risen, the Lamb in glory. Lord, we praise you and we worship you and we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here. You're dismissed.